Hey, welcome back to PHP Town Hall Podcast. This is Ben Edmonds and Phil Sturgeon, here as always. And this time we have Alex Bilby and Zach Blank here to discuss OAuth 2. So Alex, uh, give a quick introduction for yourself, please. Uh, so I am a software developer um, based in London. I work for a small online publishing company. And my kind of expertise and where I've kind of taken my interest is in um, API-driven development and how and using your data, other people's data, sharing your data, sharing other people's data, and you know using all this all this data, all the data to basically improve your business. And um, you know you can create new revenue streams from it and um, make the world a better place. And but I for the last year I've been working um, with the University of Lincoln on a like a kind of government research funded project which is looking at authentication. Um, so universities are big places. They're organizations. They have um, authentication and authorization systems that are really legacy and really horrible to work with if you're a modern day developer and you're not writing in Java SE. And, and yeah, so I've kind of been writing all about OAuth and taking a real interest in that um, and trying to introduce higher education and public sector here in the UK to uh, the internet. Awesome. And uh, Zach, go ahead and introduce yourself. Yeah, hi. I'm Zach Blank. I'm the uh, founder of Casserole Labs, and we're a uh, product studio mostly focusing on uh, building mobile apps, uh, mobile apps varying from all sorts of things that integrate with different APIs from third parties or ones that we have to build ourselves or, you know, are entirely self-contained um, iPhone apps primarily. We also do some web work and um, a little bit of physical computing stuff. Um, and my background is in, um, you know, PHP primarily, but lots of back-end development and then a little bit of front-end stuff here and there. And most of the work that I do and that we do here at Casserole is really um, building out RESTful web services specifically for the mobile apps that we're developing. Um, so we spend a lot of time sort of negotiating with clients about best practices for building these things, especially when it comes to authentication and, you know, what different things are secure and weighing those benefits against, you know, how long is it going to take, how manageable it is, um, and a couple of the other things which... I assume we'll talk about today. Uh, so yeah, sorry for the no- uh, background noise there, guys. Uh, we're me and Zach are both uh, in our office in Dumbo, Brooklyn, and uh, we're right by the Manhattan Bridge. And there's a whole bunch of cars going past. So I've just shut the windows, which was probably real noisy. But um, I've dragged you guys here today uh, to talk about OAuth 2, as Ben mentioned, um, and most recently, like. It's been going on for a while, ever since Eric Hammer, the creator of OAuth 2, started first complaining about uh, how OAuth 2 was the road to hell or getting complicated or whatever. Um, and every now and then we see these little uh, blog posts pop up or people saying things that kicks off another bout of, OAuth 2 is broken and it's unsafe and it's breaking the internet and no one should use it for anything. Uh, Zach's had a couple of troubles recently, which you may or may not talk about. Um, I'll talk about them. Okay. <laughs> won't be mentioning any names, but I'm sure we can talk about general problems. And um, I just want to get you guys in to, to, to have your opinions on, on what the problems are. Um, so the first thing, I, I, I tweeted out the other day saying, has anyone got any examples 
examples of why OAuth 2 is properly broken, just to see the sort of articles that were flowing around. Um, and I got 10 replies of, of OAuth 2 and the road to hell from Eric Hammer. Um, and this is obviously the go-to uh, article for anyone that wants to say OAuth 2 might be bad, because it's he is the creator of OAuth 2. So it seems it seems pretty fundamental if the creator of OAuth 2 is saying, ah, fuck it, it's terrible. Uh, but I'm, I'm wondering how... Let's talk about the article, right? Most of you guys have read this. Yeah. I haven't read it. I'm not going to read it. I watched this video, and I, was, and I was so infuriated after the video that I'm not going to spend the time reading this. I'm sure it says about the same things. Yeah. Alex, you've read this, right? Yeah, yeah. So, so basically what Aaron's saying in his article is that, that I think this is when he first started to get really disenchanted with the whole process. So this was July last year, July 26th last year, his blog post. Uh, and you can find it on Hooniverse.com. Um, basically, uh, he decided that he didn't want to be... So he was one of the co-authors. He's like the principal editor, they call it, in the, the, the IETF, like standardization process. Um, he, he, he basically was, didn't like the direction it was going. He felt that there were too many people, mainly from big enterprises, um, people like Oracle and um, uh, I can't think of what the company's called now, but um, there, there's some big companies, big enterprises, who basically were having too much influence over the standards and were trying to make it fit into these backwards um, existing authentication scenes like SAML and other assertion-type profiles. And they were basically weaker, like watering down uh, the OAuth 2 standards. Um, and so he goes on this big rant in this article um, complains about bearer tokens and um, you know it's the fact that expire, uh, tokens don't expire and there's no signatures anymore like you have in OAuth 1 mm -hmm. um, and basically he just it goes on to lead uh, it go, he goes on to lead on if you read his following blog post he introduced this thing called Hawk which is his own kind of protocol he's made up as a as something that's better in his mind than OAuth 2 Right. Uh, yeah, I was having a look at Hawk the other day, and it's uh, currently on version 0.15, so we've got a little bit of way to go on that. Um, but it's interesting. Uh, we'll come back to that in a sec. I guess the first thing is, in in this, there's a lot of different things that when people say OAuth 2 is bad, right, and they and they use this article as a basis for a lot of it. There's a lot of different aspects to it that people are actually talking about, and I feel like most of what um, Aaron was talking about was the. Uh, the the politics I mean that sucks decision you know any whenever you're doing uh, design or, or program uh, program programming by committee it's not going to be fun and if Oracle's in there it's probably going to suck balls right uh, well the other the, the the other problem is that you know they started working on OAuth two back in 2010 and they promised it would be done in a year and then it dragged on for what until until October last year I think it was when it was finally ratified the standard it's like a recommendation. And so that didn't really help. The fact that more people kept coming in, there was more comments about it here, there, and everywhere, and everyone had, wants to have their say, and it just dragged on and on and on, yeah. and that didn't help. That's that's pretty much how like CSS and HTML and stuff works in the same way, right? Like CSS 2.1 only got ratified sometime last year, and and CSS 3 probably still isn't finished, even though everyone's been using it for God knows how long. And that, that kind of happens when projects get big, I think. But I think, the, I think there's a different case where, so, so HTML and CSS, it's essentially at the end of the day, you're not, they're not really security. You know, they're not something that you have to be concerned about, you know, breaking, you know, people breaking into your API and such. Whereas this is, 
it, you know, it's described as a, um, it's a security pro protocol to allow third parties access to web resources on your API. And um, I, see, in my mind, the, the, when the, the, the hate started towards OAuth 2 was basically when Facebook launched their Graph API back in 2010, I think, yeah. and they launched yeah. with version 5 of the standards. And Facebook's probably, like Facebook have probably been the biggest, uh, the, the, like the company who've seen the biggest problems with OAuth 2, and that's basically because they're having to support like version 5 and then they version, like draft 5 of the standards and then they went to something like draft 12 and then like draft 15, 18, 21, and then there was something like 26 drafts of, of the OAuth 2 yeah. specification. And they were having to support all of these different drafts and that opened up security like uh, attacks, uh, they, they opened up for different uh, attack vectors, and so most of the articles you see around the web are mostly like how people have um, found um, flaws in our in Facebook's OAuth implementation. Right, and this I think is one of the, the biggest differences. Like when I said about there being multiple types of problem, one of the problems being politics, one of the problems being like other people implementing it badly. Um, if Facebook implements it badly, that doesn't mean OAuth 2 is broken. Sure, it's a problem because it took because it took so long to get to the final draft. That, uh, Facebook ended up implementing a unfinished version. But if I implement somebody's like dev branch as their framework, I'm not going to go screaming at them when it breaks. That's that's an example. I did that quite a lot with Taylor during Laravel 4 beta. But you know what I mean? Like if if someone's implemented a bad version of the standard or like an incomplete version of the standard, it's really hard to then blame the standard itself for it not being entirely perfect when it's not finished. Yeah. I, think can, I think you can blame the standard though because I mean, I, I, when, I, when I was, so I've, I've written um, a, a load of OAuth code uh, based to help you implement OAuth server library and um, also client library as well. And the biggest problem is the old spec. It doesn't like, and it's even worse when you look at the OpenID, OpenID Connect specifications which are built on OAuth 2. Basically, the, the specification doesn't read like something that a human being would write or want to read. It's, it, it keeps darting about to different sections, and it, it's, like, it's like reading some sort of technical manual. Basically, you have to keep jumping about. And if you try and sit down, and, and when it, you know, I printed out countless versions of specification notices in its different drafts, and I had to you know, highlight it to death just to try and understand how to properly read it for each different variation of how you can implement this, you know, the standard. So the fact that the standard just isn't sane and readable, that doesn't help, and that, you know, that in itself can lead to shitty implementations. Gotcha. Yeah, so for the shitty implementation, I mean, I want to go back for a second to the Facebook thing, because it's almost a perfect storm of that, because if 90% of the other internet other than Facebook were to have done that, no one would have even noticed, right? So you have an internet giant who does something. Yeah, everyone is probably trying to hack them in one way or another every minute of every day, and so it's gonna draw a lot of attention. Well, no, like we said, it's not OAuth's fault, but there's a lot of people who aren't extremely knowledgeable about this subject who say, oh, that must be OAuth's fault. Um, Hmm. Not Facebook's. And there's another example, like Facebook had one of those wonderful errors a while ago that I remember where they started dishing up their text files, as plain, uh, their PHP files as plain text, including config files. Uh, so they had, <laughs> that was a bit of a problem, right? Like passwords are getting leaked and shit and people are having all sorts of a bad day at their office. Um, but yeah, Facebook, Facebook had a problem where their files were being served up as plain text 
and uh, they they fixed that pretty quickly. And because that was Facebook, everyone like screamed, and it was terrible. But then everyone got over it. And no one's blaming Apache for <laughs> like it's not Apache's fault, but it, it's wrong. Um, so Facebook again, Facebook having a bad implementation. It's kind of tricky because there, it is so hard to set up a good implementation. But I think it's fair to say if you have a quality implementation, if you've implemented the spec properly and you are some sort of genius child that managed to do it, like <laughs> Alex, like you've done a really good job of in, implementing the spec. With your uh, with the spec being implemented properly, as as the guide as the, the spec recommends, do you feel concerned about using OAuth two? Like, do you feel like if you've implemented it properly, it's insecure, or people just getting it wrong are causing the problems and then blaming OAuth two for it in the first place? So yeah, the, P- the PHP code you referred to, the, like the motivation behind writing that was because um, there, there, there's like if you if, so if you're trying, so it kind of stems from if you're trying to implement like different signings, like if you want to implement Foursquare, GitHub, Facebook, and Google OAuth two into your application, so you can sign in every single one of those mm-hmm. implements it differently, and so oh. my kind of my motivation behind writing the server codes so that you could implement a spec compliant OAuth 2 server um, was basically um, one to make it really super easy. Um, you know, you don't have to configure it to death and, you know, bootstrap it like, you, you know, you would have Symfony uh, or Zend or something. Um, you just, you know, drop in a library on Composer and it just, just write a few lines of code and just you just have to trust behind the, behind the background, it's, you know, it's doing, it's, it's implementing it correctly. Um, I feel perfectly confident using OAuth 2 because I know it really well because I've studied specifications for hours on end. Um, I want to check so on that a minute um, because I feel the same way as you do, but I'm a little bit scared because, you know, you're right, I've implemented that code, the one the code that you've written a couple of times, and it's great. But, you know, there's one vulnerability if you get shitty developers implementing it, and that's the grant types. And so I'm curious if you have any sort of... Um, thought process behind people creating custom grant types, specifically, you know, within your library and how that could, you know, open up a lot of vulnerabilities for it. Um, well, yeah, I think that, that, is, that is one concern. So, right, so basically, for those who don't know, OAuth basically, it used to call, in OAuth 1, it called them flows, and, and now it calls them grants. And basically, they're essentially, they're almost like user experiences or, or different ways of implement, uh, or different ways of interacting with the OAuth to uh, an OAuth 2 endpoint or a server. Uh, um, so the simplest one is called client credentials grants, which is basically um, each client, so each end application that wants to talk to an OAuth 2 server has its own ID and a secret. So like a, essentially like a client username and password. And it just says, here's my username and password, and it gets an access token in return. So that's one of them. And then the next one um, is called the user credentials grants, uh, and that's basically you, the, the application itself authenticates with its username and password, but also you throw in a, user, um, a user's username and password, and you'd use that for, um, so Facebook have got like an iPhone app or an Android app. Um, it's a trusted app. You know, it's not a third-party app in their eyes. It's something they've written themselves. They know how it works. They know it's secure. So they can trust that application to accept a, username, uh, a user's username and password, whereas um, a third party, they wouldn't, obviously the whole point of OWASP is that a third party doesn't see a user's uh, authentication credentials. Um, so that's where you'd use that one. The next one is called the authorization code, authorization coding. And 
that's the one that people are most used to. So that's where you click on, you know, sign in with Twitter, uh, sign in with Facebook. You get redirected to Facebook. It says, you know, this application wants this permission and this permission approve or deny. Um, and then basically it's like a token swap between in the background between the uh, client application and the OAuth server. And then finally, the other one, the other core one that um, the specification describes is called the implicit grant. And that's similar to the authorization code, but it's intended for like JavaScript apps. And the problem with that one is that this is one that I, this is something that I don't agree with in the core spec. I don't think this, this grant should exist at all. Basically, your access tokens, which are essentially like passwords themselves, they represent um, a user giving a specific set of permissions to an application. Um, this, in the implicit ground, the access token is, is public knowledge. And people, you know, that's been another attack vector for Facebook over the years. And uh, I think Foursquare got hit with it as well. Um, basically, the, if you're going to implement that one, it should only be for like non-idempotent methods, so read-only API calls. Um, but I just avoid it full stop. But, so, but also, as, as Zach says, uh, in the code I wrote, you can implement your own grant types. So, for example, you might want some sort of hybrid Facebook OAuth uh, solution where the first time a user signs in with your app, they, they sign in with Facebook. Um, but the second time, that you know, they're actually hitting up your own, the, you know, the, the, your own authentication endpoint. And so it's like this weird hybrid flow that you, or this weird hybrid user experience you've created. So yeah, if, if you've got shitty developers, then you're going to get shitty code. Um, and the, the only way of solving that is, just, you know, having someone else or, you know, people who understand what they're doing, you know, look at it and say, no, that's, you know, that's not going to work for this reason. This will open up, you know, this attack vector or no, actually that's the same use. Mm. I think that's the problem with anything, though. I mean, the, yeah. if you have a bad... Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, it's the same with anything. I saw some example today of why PHP is bad. Uh, <laughs> it's just one of these core things that I always get invited to answer on my YouTube decline because they piss me off. But uh, there was one example of somebody saying, oh, PHP is completely insecure. Look at this basic example of a login script. And it was if strchp, I think it was, like compare or something, um, and then uh, it had a post variable equals equals the password, then uh, then let them in. Otherwise, that's not that doesn't work. And then if you send through a get, uh, if you send through, you, you could in the HTML you could turn the string input name into like an array just by adding two square brackets next to it. And then because it was truthy, it would then say like an array is similar to true. So you're a logged in user now, and and people are using that as an example of why PHP is bad. Clearly, that was written by a retard. Mm -hmm. So <laughs> that's, that should have been peer-reviewed or like not allowed into the code or anything else in the first place. So again, this is one of those things. If, if you've got somebody who's not an experienced quality developer building custom grant types, there's all sorts of holes that can fall in. Yeah, I mean, we've talked about that sort of thing forever just in terms of like, you know, bad developers write bad code. I mean, that's obvious, good developers write yeah. code. But as it relates to this OAuth discussion is... You know, Alex, you have a solid library, and, you know, just a use case sort of thing would be, okay, I was in an argument, let's say, with a client, and I really pushed, and I said, okay, we're going to put, we're going to do this on OAuth 2 for all of these different reasons, and it just makes total sense. I implement it, 
and I say, this library that we're going to use is totally solid, follows the spec to a T, it's great. But then I went and wrote a custom grant type that was shit and, and was vulnerable. And then that client were to come back to me and say, well, what the hell happened? Like you told me this was solid. This library totally is not solid. And I'm just, I'm worried, you know, that's one concern I have where we can open it up. Like, yeah, you know, the answer to this question is shitty developers write shitty code, but um, it, it provides a lot of gray area in this discussion for like, okay, what is the actual part of this that is broken or could be considered broken? Uh, maybe you shouldn't be writing PHP code quite well. Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> <laughs> I don't really have an answer for you. As, as we've already said, you know, you, you have to, you know, quality developers will write quality code that's been peer-reviewed by other quality developers. And but, but then, you know, but then it can happen to anyone. Like, we're talking about Facebook having problems. You know, they can't even create, you know, they've got some of the best PHP developers in the world and they can't create a secure implementation. So... It's it's almost the same as um, the argument about it's similar to that you know, plain you, know do you salt them and do, yeah obviously you salt them in plain text but yeah. but some some crazy people want to go and salt them and hash them and such <laughs> and you know there's there's so many you know different different articles and you know crappy discussions about and you know bad discussions about how to properly do it yeah. and inconsistent information so oh yeah even with stuff like bcrypt you get some people screaming saying bcrypt's the best thing since sliced bread and other people saying nah if you use bcrypt you're limited to get hacked it's madness I heard something really interesting about bcrypt the other day this is completely on a tangent that it's um, what's the standard for um, payment merchants, or where they have to be? Um, they have to make sure that their service is secure. Is it? Uh, it's three letters. I can't think what it's called. Uh, uh, like PCI, uh, PCI compliant. Yeah. Apparently, apparently, Bcrypt isn't a isn't a recognised um, encrypt like um, hashing format for to that isn't supported by PCI. Oh, that's fun. Yeah. Uh, P, uh, Bcrypt is now the. It's going to be the default for PHP as of 5.5, and if you're using the IR, uh, Anthony Ferreira's password composer package, right? So those are the two ways you have of accessing the, the password hashing API for, for PHP, and it's not PCI compliant. That's tricky. <laughs> um, I think there are, I think the PHP 5 uh, support 5.5, sorry, supports more out of the box than just Bcrypt, doesn't it? I don't remember. Uh, I don't need to jump in with answers. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't know. <laughs> I haven't looked at that. I think it has a few uh, more options, but bcrypt is the default. Yeah, okay. Well, that's only a problem if you're British, I guess. PCI compliance is just in the UK, isn't it, Alex? Uh, I thought it was an international standard. Yeah, we have <laughs> it here in the US, too. That's a problem, then. Yeah, I was going to say, I think the Americans came up with it. Yeah. Okay, I never heard about PCI compliance while I was working for um, Hargreaves Lansdowne in Bristol, so I haven't worked in financial services or... I was just, I was just dumping it off with um, Rakeli or Stripe or Ghost Squared or whoever. Just like I don't want to handle this shit. You guys do it for me. Here's a small fee. It, it, PCA, the payment card industry data security standards is a proprietary information security standard for organisations. Blah blah blah. That was defined by the Payment Card Industry Security Standards Council, which I, from Wikipedia tells me is an international body. Oh, you mean you weren't just recording that information from the top of your head? <laughs> no, 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 no. Funny enough, no. Nice. Um, but no, Wikipedia tells me all the things, and yeah, it's the it's international standards. Yeah. But anyway, um, yeah, that's going off topic. Yeah. So yeah, so yeah, to conclude, crappy developers write crappy code, <laughs> and, and awesome developers also write crappy codes on bad days. Yeah. 
True, true. I'm hungover. Nothing good happening. <laughs> Every day after lunch. <laughs> for, for, for midday onwards. Touche. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, so I guess we've, we've got like the grand types aren't necessarily a, a huge problem unless you're writing them badly and that's your own damn fault. Uh, there's a whole bunch of other arguments circling around that I kind of like to debunk or at least just talk about. Um, and one of those is that. Uh, Oh, two is insecure because it doesn't like use signatures and doesn't encrypt all the stuff like uh, OAuth one used to do, and that kind of makes me joke, it makes me laugh. Is if you don't implement SSL, then you're definitely fucking doing it wrong. And people are saying, well, why should we have to implement SSL? You know, OAuth one used to do this for us. So instead of having instead of using like an industry standard secure protocol that banks rely on, right? Like we know this shit's secure. If SSL gets hacked, we're all fucked. <laughs> We know that SSL is really good. So instead of using something that's built into the network, built into your computers, built into the server logic, built into everything, you want to like rely on some PHP code, and you want to hope that the guy that implemented the PHP library has like SSL this stuff, has like signature this up perfectly. See, I want to support signatures if you wanted to. There, there's there's um, another grant type which isn't in the main standard, which is it's I can't remember what um, draft it's on now. Um, but it's something called um, uh, the Mac grant type. And yeah. Mac is H, sort of... Uh, H, Mac. Yeah, yeah, it's a message... Um, oh, I can't remember what it's called off the top of my head now, but, um, yeah, basically, it's a... Cri- it, Mac, um, H, Mac, basically, it's used for um, cryptographic, cryptographically verifying portions of a HTTP request, yeah. which is what OAuth 1 had built in from the off. Um, but if you if you really really care about signatures, you really want to implement it, then you know go and go implement the the Mac grant, and you know it, it work it works just like the bearer grant, you know using a bearer token over an authorization header, or having it if you really want to in in the query string. But it also it also means you have to have a um, signature, you have to sign the request as well, um, like you did in OAuth one. So OAuth two does support signatures if you re- if you want them. Okay, well, they're opt-in. That's good. I mean, I've heard the complaint multiple times that they just don't, they're, they're not there. And I think that a lot of people only really know about the one flower of like the, the you know when you use Facebook, it's like uh, when you use OAuth, it's like the Facebook way or the Google way of doing it, right? And they implement one or maybe two, and they just kind of bounce the user off and bring them back and then say, "Yep, you're logged in. Great." Um, so it's wonderful that you can. But every single guide I've ever read to like doing anything useful in OAuth two, it always just says use SSL. Yeah, so what's the argument against, I mean, it's not hard. Why are people, why would I ever want to do it without SSL? Well, because, because I, think, I think people still think that SSL costs Good money enough. to implement, but you can get, you can get, I mean, you can get SSL certificates of pennies these days. Yeah. Um, so I, I, think it, I think people think it's a, a labor-intensive process, which, okay, it might be. You might have to spend an hour setting it up properly, but then you've gone and done it, and you just need to remember to renew it a year later. <laughs> This is true, I forgot to renew it on the Pirate CMS website the other day, that wasn't good. I think there's an auto-renew checkbox on most. No, so when you renew it, um, I've, I only set up SSL for the first time myself last year. Um, we've, I've worked with it before, but I've never been the guy in charge. Um, so then I got an email saying, hey, you've got to renew your certificates. So I was like, oh, okay, I'll put in my credit card here, swipe. Where's, you know, put it in the floppy drive, done. <laughs> um, and then I renewed it, and I you know, happily went on my little bike ride 
and uh, was minding my own business. And then I was 100 miles away from the office when I realized that as well as renewing it, you have to then like re-authenticate your, you have to, you have to get request new certificates from the, from the authority. authority, yeah, and then like upload them again. So I'm like, cool, I've done it. I'll just go to the Hamptons without any <laughs> stuff. Oh fuck, there's a problem. <laughs> um, but yeah, so no, so I, I get that like certificates can be tricky to use. But if you're in, if you're setting up your own REST API and you want it to be secure, probably working out how HTTP secure works might be a fairly fundamental and useful part of that process. Like, again, that's another thing that I find really stupid that people complain is a problem with OAuth two. That if you want a secure API, you've got to use the secure protocol. Oh God, that sucks! I don't do that. No. So uh, again, I think the reason why the, the so kind of defending OAuth two, as it were, the reason why. Um, signatures were dropped from OAuth 1 was basically because developers are lazy and they found them complicated to work with. And also there was a complete lack of, uh, well, for many years, there were a complete lack of decent OAuth 1 um, client libraries for most languages, not just PHP, yeah. but most languages. And, um, That's why I had to make you know, coding matter ones. Pardon? That's why I had to make them coding matter ones. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And, you know, you know, there were, and, and, you know by the time everyone started you know, implementing R2, there were tens of them, but, you know, trying to work out the signatures and trying to work out which order you, you know, you create the array before you turn it into um, a delimited string and then you yeah. hash it. Yeah, and it, it, but, but it goes, but it goes back to the same problem the R2 standard has. The, the standards are complicated to read and, and trying to therefore write tutorial, you know, quality tutorials on how to implement it, you know, a spec compliant implementation um, is really difficult. And, and, and so, so signatures are dropped um, and the decisions made that um, the access tokens or bearer tokens uh, would be sent um, almost essentially in plain text but over SSL. So that essentially the security is, the signatures is being moved from the HTTP request to the transport layer, so SSL or TLS. Um, that, that's why it happens. But again, I, I, it comes back to making sure that you it, again, it comes back to trust that the, the unless you've written the library yourself and you've got complete confidence in it, it comes back to finding quality codes and implementations that you can, you know, you can see other people using. You know, there's no there's no, you know, security issues that have come up in them, and mm. yeah, it, it comes down it comes down to quality tutorials and quality code libraries that are available for developers. Fair enough, and I think that's an area that PHP often struggles with, and it's only starting to get better thanks to things like Composer and Packages, because the number of times it's like, if I want to work with OAuth 2, apart from your library, uh, which we'll put you know, a link to in the show notes, of course, apart from your library, there's things like, download this thing that's like three years old from Google code. It might work. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to do it, do it. It's worth mentioning, apart from my code, I think there's also a guy called Ben Schaefer who's written another quite well-known um, OAuth 2 server. Okay. The, so the reason why I decided to write an, you know, another one was basically because um, his looked really complicated to implement, yeah. and I wanted something even simpler than that. At the end of the day, you know, I, I, hate, I hate working with PHP code that's been object-oriented to death for the sake of being object-oriented. And if I have to, this isn't a complaint against Ben Shaver's library, it's just, it's just general. You know, if things are using objects to death for the sake of using objects, um, and, and, you know, going to the nth degree of, you know, you have to bootstrap it so much just to get it, it you know, working. More oops uh, are better. Pardon? More oops are better. 
yeah, the more hoops, the better. Obviously, it must mean it's more, you know, better written and right, you know, right. more trustworthy and such, because that's really the case. But no, basically, basically, I, I, like since I've since I've written this code and and published it, I've had developers, you know, writing to me. I like I've had I get I probably get a couple of emails a week saying things like I'm just reading it off a blog post I wrote, like um, uh, if you um, thanks for making your oath to serve a library public um it's people like you make my job slightly more to- tolerable and uh, yeah, yeah. and you know if you drink i'll buy you a virtual beer what you built is awesome and um there, there, there was one that i realized i got um uh, some guy emailed me uh, asked me a question on how to implement something specific and I, I gave him a reply back and his reply was i'm really not surprised it was that simple you've really built this with the end developer in mind once again thank you very much for the info and the repository so yeah, so, so basically my, my, my main goal was to make it super easy to implement OAuth 2 in a standard way. Yeah, um, so one of the things, I, I think version 2 is out now, right? I haven't upgraded to that one yet, but that has... Uh, so, version 3 will be out in the weekend. Oh, holy shipples, you've been doing a bit, a bit of work. Uh, so what, um, you said that it wasn't oops death, but it's still pretty damn oop. Uh, so it's like PS, uh, PSR2, uh, a whole bunch of coolness, but it has things like built-in eloquent drivers, is that still the case? Yes, it's got built-in eloquent drivers, and also we've got um, built-in. Oh, well, yeah, yeah, Zach, Zach, Zach Rowland, So thank you, Zach. Yeah. Um, and also we've got um, also coming those uh, Doctrine DBAL um, drivers in as well, and then there's something that I'm going to remove, which is some uh, really crappy PDO drivers. But so I'd encourage anyone just to use um, the Fluent or the uh, Doctrine. Drivers, which is essentially built on PDO anyway, yeah. Um, but yeah, so 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 that's something that was added in version two of the library, which I released a few weeks ago when I was out in San Francisco. Um, basically, I wanted to make it even easier to bootstrap your 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 implementation. Um, yeah. uh, version three, basically, the, the only reason it's it, it's version three just because it's a tiny, tiny breaking change. Um, basically, it just it just refines. Um, some of the flow in the back end, um, just to make sure that it, it, it's even more spec. It's essentially about being even more spec compliant. Cool. How how is it more spec compliant than before? Uh, it comes to, so so there's a there's a fifth grant type in the specification that I didn't mention called refresh tokens, and mm. this again has been a bit of a contention for developers. So basically, refresh. So um, an access token in R2 can either last forever. Or it could have like a, a limited lifetime, and if this, if an OAuth two server supports um, uh, refresh tokens, basically when you when you're issued the access token for the first time, you'll get the access token, but you'll also get what's called a refresh token, and it's a bit like a you know you know so like in America in my experience like you, you so, or not just America anywhere you get you so you get like um, a soft drink and you can go up and refill it. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a bit like that. So you can so once your access token's expired, you can give the refresh token and the client credentials to the OAuth2 server and say, look, I've got, you know, my current access token's expired. Here's a refresh token, like a receipt for it. Please give me another one. Um, Actually, now, that was really well as an analogy as well because the refresh tokens can, like, run out after a while and you have to, like, actually go and buy another drink before you get... Yeah, 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 essentially. <laughs> yeah, exactly that. So, so if you, yeah, so if you, carrying on with that metaphor, if you left the shop and came back the next day, you can't use the same refill bottle. Yeah. But but yeah so so basically the, my my kind of I've I've I'm, I've about refresh it's all right so basically the contention I've had with um, refresh tokens 
is that it now relies on a client to maintain state of the access tokens as well as the, the, the OAuth server. Um, so, you, you know, so your, your client has to keep check of, you know, is the access token alive? If not, do I go and refresh it in the background or do I send the user to go and log in again or what do I do? And it, it just puts more, um, it just gives the user more, uh, the developer more work. Yes. But then on the other hand, it's really useful in some cases. So, for example, um, uh, this is the part where I can't think of an example off the top of my head. I've got a really good uh, example for you. I'm going to end it. Go, 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 go. Um, using Ember.js for a uh, like merchant dashboard we have here at Capture. The idea is that um, you log in, you get an access token. That access token's in fucking Java, like just kicking around uh, all over the place. It's signed in all your requests. Anyone that was looking at like Firebug would see your access token. Anyone that was sniffing the network or whatever could probably find out what that was. Um, but because we set the the time to live on those um, on those access tokens to be like five minutes or something, someone will have to find the access token and then execute really quickly. It could even be less than five minutes. I can't remember what the actual number was, but the whole point is the access token is kicking around somewhere really public, but then it expires really fast. So then you have to refresh it to get a new one. Obviously, the refresh token isn't in JavaScript. The, re- the refresh token. Um, is like stored against your user account and it just kind of like requests uh, a new one for you. So um, that, yeah, server side. So that works out really well. We can, we can have really cheap and easy access tokens. And if someone gets it, they've got to do something like really quick with it before they, before they, you know, can, can do anything. And that's secure enough. If you're using it in a coffee shop, we have a couple of issues, but you could also get into basically any other website with the same approach. So that's one example when quick refresh tokens are really helpful. Um, other than that, refresh tokens can be annoying. I can, I, 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 at first, never understood why the refresh token existed until I tried implementing that sort of setup. Um, and I, one thing that I will say against their worth too is the example that they have is a bit messed up. They say yeah. if you try making a uh, signed request to the API and it says 401 not authorized or like access token expired or whatever. You have to, um, yep, like you kind of have to process the string of that message to find out if it says like expired. Yeah. Um, but and and then you have to make a second request to update the token, and then you make a third request, which is the same as the first request to to do whatever it was you're trying to do in the first place. That seems silly. That's three HTTP requests for no particular reason. Whereas yeah, exactly. What you can just do is say, right, I've got the access token, I've got the expire time, and I've got the refresh token. Is the time in the past? Okay, give me a new token. Now I will make it. Uh, now I'll make my request, and that's two requests instead of three. But the spec actually says that you should make three, which is slower. Exactly. So there's two ways you can do it. You can either preemptively go and so your clients watching in the background for access tokens that are about to expire, and they'll preemptively go and get a new access token. Yeah. Or you do it as you just suggested. You do it on the fly and ends up making three HTTP requests. So it's so that's so these are the kind of decisions that you know. A developer has to make. Yeah. Um, oh shit! Yeah. Facebook just did something like that. Um, they they they're deprecating their valid, uh, uh, deprecating offline access scope. So you can't just say, "Give me an access token that lasts forever." Oh, you yeah. have to you have to send them through a branded Facebook login protocol. So if you're on the iPhone, you have to send them back to the Facebook application. If you're on the internet. You have to send them to the website, and they got examples like you, you know you have to like 
even if it's a server, when they log back in, you have to pop up a little modal window or some shit. Like you have to ask them for specifically to log back in again. And this is something else that, like, because it hasn't really happened yet, because you can still use valid access tokens, offline access tokens for a while, people will be okay with it. And then as soon as Facebook implement that, they're going to start bitching, saying, I hate OAuth too. The, the, really the, only thing, the only thing is, it depends how Facebook implements it, though, because if basically, so, so if you've got to, let's say, take the web example, not the iPhone one, um, if you've got to re- send a user back to Facebook, if, because, the, because the user's already approved, let's assume the user signed in as well, because yeah. the user's already approved the application, um, it should just immediately see they've already approved it, see the signs in, and just issue a new um, authorization code oh. and send them straight back again. It should, you know, the user shouldn't even see a Facebook interface. I'm pretty sure that's not how it works. Like they are specifically trying to make it so you see this. So you have to specifically like click allow again to get back in there. So when you click log in, it's going to be a bit annoying because it's when you click log in, if you haven't logged in in two months, then you're going to go back and it's going to be allow. And usually whenever I see, um, if I try clicking log in with X and I see, would you like to allow this person to have access to your whatever profile? I assume that I haven't actually authenticated that account with them. So I immediately click cancel and go and try and find one that they have. Um, so if Facebook make this change, they're going to force people back to back to going to Facebook and seeing the branded do you want to allow them? And everyone's going to assume that they haven't actually registered with that network and then click cancel and everyone's going to get really confused and complain a lot. See, it's, in- it's interesting because Google have kind of gone down the other approach. So at Google I.O. they announced, I can't remember what they're calling it, but basically uh, let's say I've got an iPhone. So let's say your app, um, Capture, you, you've got an iPhone client and you've also, let's say you've got a web interface as well. If I approve the web interface, it will automatically give approval the first time I use it to the uh, iPhone app, but application and vice versa. So Google, in some ways, it's almost like they don't want you to see Google's authorization dialogue, or you'll only see it the once, and you won't see Google again. So there's no refresh needed with Google. At Google, you do. I think you do need refresh, but the so, so Google's Google's interesting because they've 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 done all sorts of. Google really, it's worth mentioning that um, Google have really committed to OAuth. They, they've just published a five-year uh, like, um, auth- authentication grand plan, and OAuth is the heart of it, along with a few other technologies like two-factor authentication. So uh, I work, like Google, this big monolithic organization, they're, they're, who are all over the internet, they're completely behind OAuth too. Um, but Google have done some interesting stuff with OAuth, and they're trying to... like. They're, they're essentially building their own grants so you can use it in different applications. And there's the one I just ex- explained, which is basically this, almost like this pre-authorization for apps that exist in the same family or, like, or under the same brand. But then there's also stuff like you can now access like IMAP over OAuth by sending access tokens. And they're, they've just, they're just trying to implement it in different protocols outside of HTTP. So, cool. so that's so so that so yeah so go, so basically that that's something for um, OAuth and the fact that it's you know Google this big organization are completely behind it and you know they built it in for their next five years of their authentication plan. The other thing is that OAuth um, just a, a few weeks ago they also won an award at the European Identity they won a European Identity Award for like innovation of the year as well. So it's being recognised you know at industry level as well. Hmm. So, Alex, uh, kind of to bring this full circle, a bunch of the people, the naysayers of it, 
sort of how would you respond or sort of what, you know, people who are saying like, oh, it's bad, get failed on Facebook, et cetera, everything we've spent the last, you know, 45 minutes talking about, what would you respond with to say, well, no, it's actually really good? I'd say go to my blog and read some of the articles I've written about <laughs> that to try and explain it. So I've written, a, so basically over the last few months, I've kind of written a few articles on my blog um, that try to explain different aspects of OAuth. So I've got a whole blog post that just explains what the different grants are and when is the appropriate time to use them. Um, so I'd say go read my stuff, but but also download the spec and try and read it. It's it's a bit complicated because you're darting about a bit at first, but once you kind of understand how it's laid out, then it's actually. It's actually quite well written. It's just it's just weird to read. It's not. It doesn't read like it's almost like a choose your own adventure story as opposed to one you read left you know <laughs> front to back. Um, and yeah, avoid if you, if you can get through that painlessly and you're feeling really you know confident and such. Go then and have a look at Open ID Connect and you'll cry because this is this is an example of where um, specifications just you know this is why developers ignore specifications. They go off and do their own thing because. So OpenID Connect is all built on OAuth 2, and it defines tens of different grants um, to implement the whole new suite of OpenID stuff, which I don't really understand because you have to, you basically have to sit there with three or four different specifications open because they keep cross-referencing themselves. And it's an absolute fucking nightmare to try and understand what the hell you're implementing. And not only that, there's so many different approaches. Like, there's so many different... um, parameters you need to have in your URLs and in your HTTP requests and and there's so many different combinations of options you can have that like I did consider writing an open ID or making my OAuth codes compliant with open ID connect but I'm just not going to bother because you'll see exactly why we're in this situation and we're podcast discussing why people hate OAuth uh, we should get Aaron Hammer on here and see what he thinks about open ID connect I think I think oh Aaron's uh, now um, he's refusing to do any more media coverage about why he's not involved. Yeah, yeah. After that uh, the video, he said no more at last talk. Um, Having said that, that video he did is really good. It's quite funny as well. He's quite a funny guy. Yeah. I've heard him on different podcasts. It is funny. It's a little annoying in my opinion, but let me ask if for whatever reason, maybe your boss or your client says no OAuth, um, and it doesn't matter why. What are some other, you know, maybe protocols or specs you would turn to? If you're in an enterprise organization, you might already have some sort of implementation of what's called something called SAML, which stands for Security Assertion Markup Language. It's basically like an XML security framework. Um, Sounds where, yeah, it's yeah, like yeah, we all get turned off so, the, moment, the moment we hit XML, but it's it's. It's very powerful, and basically, basically the way it works is that I, I've got a client. Uh, so I've got a client application. I say to the service provider or the or the like the SAML authentication server, "Look, I'm I'm me. Please allow this user to sign in. I don't know who the user is." And then once the user signs into the SAML server, the SAML server will post like send the HTTP post request to the client with a big XML document that basically says, this is the user, this is who they are, these are some of the attributes about them, these are the permissions they've got, etc. So so a lot of enterprise organizations already have that. Things like, if you're in a Microsoft-heavy environment, they've got their own implementation called ADFS. So so that that's one possible option. 
aside from that, there's this Hawk thing which Aaron Hammer's come up with. Um, basically, I'm not. I did actually write a PHP implementation. I think the PHP first PHP implementation, and I've not looked at it since. And I can't even <laughs> I remember how it. Many of these things, you're just so busy blowing your own horn that. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> sorry, sorry, sorry. No, I, um, I had a look at it. They look, they look pretty. Yeah, I don't know too much about Hawk. Um, the, your implementation is fairly solid, though. It's a good start. Can we explain yeah, really quickly what the difference between Hawk and Oz is? Uh, I can't remember. Okay. <laughs> um, yeah. I can't, honestly, I can't remember. It's been months since I looked at it, but I've yeah. not really... Oz, been... a, a web authentication protocol based on industry best practices, putting mobile and native apps first, a redo of original ideas behind OAuth, providing true interoperability and security. The only reason I can say the word interoperability anymore is because I joined the framework interoperability group. That's right. I kept having to say it and couldn't say it for shit for a long time. See, my problem with, with Hawk and Oz is that I've not heard anything about it outside of what Aaron Hammer said. So no, therefore, be in the wild yet, which is my concern. Like, if, if so, we had a, a conversation in the office very recently um, with you know a, a client saying, you know, oh, two can't use it; it's insecure and terrible. Blah, and blah, blah. It kills babies, and if you use <laughs> it, your puppy will die. And, and it's like ridiculous conversations of just someone like they read an article with with you know OAuth two is bad and just parroted it nonstop for the rest of their career. But um, I would much rather take a established, well known, tried and tested spec that's been around for a couple of years than something that's on zero point one five. Even if the builds are passing, you know it's it's really concerning for me that I've not heard anything about it. I've not seen it used anywhere. It's not even anywhere near a 0.2, and and you know it's it's meant to be an alternative to something that is tried and tested and works pretty damn well most of the time. Yeah, exactly. And again, it goes back to it goes back to peer review. Um, you know, if if Hawk's going to take off, they you know Aaron needs other developers, not just me writing a crappy PHP implementation, but he needs a, he needs other developers to go in. And also, and also, big organisations like Google and Facebook. Because unfortunately, we do rely on the big organisations. Wasn't that the exact problem with OAuth too? Was that large companies got involved and started giving their opinions, and then he bitch quit? Yeah, uh, but but I think it was more on his side. It was more, as I said, it, it was um, people like Oracle getting involved, and they wanted like um, a Saml, like a Saml to OAuth access token right, right, that's grant, and it's just it's just it's just creating. It's just big companies trying to make OAuth fit into their existing environment rather than trying to create something new and powerful and useful. Okay. I didn't say bitch quit because that's <laughs> potentially rude. Uh. <laughs> well, speaking of other options, what is your opinion between OAuth 1 and 2? Would you recommend people upgrade? Um, OAuth 1 works. If you like, this is—I think this is the reason why Twitter haven't updated because basically it works, and yeah. you know, there's enough there's enough client libraries out there that developers can easily integrate with. It. I don't think I don't think they're going to update. They've got a business. I don't think they've got a business reason to update anytime soon. Um, they, again, they've kind of played around with the spec a bit. They're kind of created, created like their own OAuth endpoints and things. They had this wig thing called OAuth Bridge, which basically converted an access token that was sent over the OAuth 1 equivalent of the implicit grant, so the JavaScript. So it's basically an access token that had been grabbed by JavaScript or created by JavaScript and then sending it to the back end and upgrading it essentially to a true secret access token. Mm. So they've kind of messed around with it themselves, but I don't think they're going to update anytime soon. They're just I think, fucking around. 
Yeah, I think Yahoo are also. I think I'm pretty sure Yahoo are the only other big company aside from Twitter who are still on OAuth one. Um, yeah. Foursquare have now updated, so I think they were the only. They were like the third one. I don't have but, details about this, but isn't Twitter seems like the company that's been has user accounts compromised the most out of everyone we've talked about. What I mean? Yeah, they, I was reading something in your blog, Alex, about how they leaked a bunch of client IDs and secrets and shit somehow. Oh yeah, but, but basically that happens. Um, I think if I remember correctly from that blog post, someone basically just decompiled like the iPhone application, and um, <laughs> so so that they got Twitter's, Twitter's official iPhone client oh, nice. ID and secrets, so that you could basically Do basically we- send tweets on behalf of Twitter for iPhone. So it has nothing to do with that. No, 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 no. That was just Twitter not hiding the credentials properly inside the application. Um, but going back to Ben's question, um, basically. If you're if you're on OAuth one and it's working for you, I think it's fine. Stay with it. If you're going to OAuth two, use my library <laughs> or use Ben Schaefer's. Yeah. But but also also try and understand what the what what the purpose of it is and why the decisions have been made, such as moving away from signatures to SSL and um, you know whether you should send bear, whether you should send access tokens to API requests over you know an authorization. Head or whether to do it in the um, in a query string or you know just yeah. try and work out what what's best for you. That that again seems to be one of the issues that I've a lot. And again, it's in in Aaron Hammer's uh, It's like ah, there's so many options. It's so flexible. This annoys me. Google have probably got the best and most spec compliant implementation. Yeah. Um, if, if you want, if you, if you don't trust what I've written, you want to go and write it yourself, but you don't want to read the spec, you want to copy someone, copy Google because yeah. they seem to be the one who implemented it in the most spec compliant manner. Yeah, I'll give you that. Um, I reckon that's about to be uh, a refute whether Auth2 is good or bad, but we definitely established that bad developers make bad code, so that's amazing progress. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so, uh, yeah, thank you. Uh, thank you guys for joining me. Um, and, uh, and, and listeners, hopefully you'll come join us next time we, uh, we have a little conversation. Thanks very much, guys. Cheers. Take care. Did not breathe very often. Get out the audio editing minion. We didn't even say words.